Awesome. What a, a morning already. I promise I won't be long. Okay. Bow your heads and pray. No, no joking. We've got a, we've got, we're, we're so thrilled. Uh, this coming week, we have got a team that are going off to do some missions in Zambia. And what I'd like us to do is to pray for them as they go. So I'm going to invite the team up, uh, just a few people that are going off to Zambia. Uh, and what, yeah. And uh, why it's so important is because as Revive Church, this is really our very first like team as Revive Church that's going off to the western province of Zambia, a place called Mongu, where they're going to be ministering to people who, who literally live in a very impoverished place, a place where there aren't that many churches. But because of the mission work that's happening there, I think it's over a hundred churches that are already planted within that area. And the dream is to have a, a church within walking distance of every single person. So they're going to go into the, the main center. They're going to be working with all people there. They're going to go into the bush, fighting off lions and zebra and ants. And I'm joking. Uh, and uh, we bind every snake in Jesus' name. And uh, they're going to be ministering to people and bringing the hope of Christ to that province. And what I love about it is the Bible says, don't despise the day of humble beginnings. Everything big starts with a small seed. And so this year, I'm so thrilled that these guys have so much courage to go to Zambia and to be used by God to go to Zambia. And when we go to do that kind of work, we just want to cover them in prayer. So my ask is today, will you pray for them as for the next uh, couple of minutes? And then will you continue to pray for them until they come back and give us a report of all the amazing work that they've done and seeing God do in Zambia? Is that all right? Cool. Let's pray for them. Father, we just commit all of these guys that are going to Zambia, Penny, Sophia, uh, Sarah, and I know someone else is going. Nicola, who's also going, and we just commit them to you, God. I pray, Father, that you would put your hedge of protection around them. May the travel be good. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would lead them and guide them to be effective ministers in the western province of Zambia. May they bring hope. May they bring life. May they bring purpose. May they bring freedom. May they bring a refreshing to the people there. And Holy Spirit, would you help them to build a church? I pray, God, that you would give them an effectiveness in the Spirit. And I pray, God, that this... This is going to birth something deep inside of them for the nations. And God, we just thank you for this amazing work. We commit them to you. We pray that every day you would watch over them and give them everything that they need for that day and more. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. Um, we look forward to them coming back and sharing an amazing report of all that's happening. Another, I just want to share another praise report before I get into my into the message today. Is uh, I think it was a few weeks ago I, I asked you to please pray because uh, our team, our soul team, um, were buying a house, a property in order to do um, projects in uh, throughout the week. We uh, help. Um, we bring a, a sort of a ministry called Isidema where we help train ladies in from impoverished communities. We give them skills. We give them personal growth. We give them opportunities to better their lives. And we do that once a week. And the reason why we want to build is we want to do that every day of the week uh, so we can help more people. Um, it's also a place where we can run, you know, food projects out of feeding the schools. Because if you don't know, we feed 230 children in local schools um, in our community. And there's actually a need to, for another 100. And we're going to say yes to that, but we're just waiting. We're waiting for you to give. Amen. And let's just call it what it is. Um, or if you know of a business who wants to give, 
You know, what's the, I always love the late Donovan could see. He said, don't just clap, throw money. Amen. Um, but I wanted to give you some feedback. There has been plenty of opposition because we've, our, our salts have had uh, a couple of, say about a couple of million in the bank, praise Jesus for savers. And then uh, we had this opportunity to buy, but the bank wouldn't release the money. And praise God, after four hours at the bank on Friday and a couple of phone calls on Friday and things happening on Saturday, uh, we almost lost the building, but the money has been paid in full, paid in cash, building's done. Thank you, God, for all that he is doing. Amen. So we look forward to seeing many of you guys there serving um, as you can, uh, part of what that great work is. Amen. So today was going to be the last installment of our Outsiders series from 1 Peter, but I'm just going to tell you this. Go read the Bible. Go read the last chapter of Peter, and there you have it. Amen. I'm saying I'm preaching something different today, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for your... Uh, for your family, for your house. God, there is no greater place to be. I thank you, Father. I'm so encouraged by everybody who comes out to church to worship you. And today, God, I pray that your anointing would flow so thick and fresh and alive over each and every person here today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that there would be like a residue that would um, rest on us as we walk out, one of anointing, one of empowering, and one of your spirit. So, Lord, I pray that we would receive your word today not just with our natural ears, but ears of the Spirit, that we will hear what you're saying to us and be obedient. So we thank you in the, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I, if you're taking notes, I've entitled my message, Come and See. Come and See. John chapter 1, verses 35 to 42. On the next day, John was there again with, his two, with his, two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Previously he said that it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He identifies Jesus again as the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, Jesus replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. So just, just a heads up, Christ is not Jesus' surname. It's the title, right? Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, or however you say that, which is translated Peter. Come and see. Come and see. You know, I, I believe that everybody is looking for something. Everyone is searching for something. Everyone is searching be it for significance, searching for meaning, searching for their place in this world, searching for a sense of fulfillment, and we search everywhere for it. Many people search for, 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 for it in relationships, in, in um, career. People search for it in accolades and accomplishments, and people search for it in sports. And people search for it in all sorts of addictions as well. 
At the end of the day, what I believe everyone is searching for is searching for that place of peace, that place of forgiveness, that place where only Jesus can bring what everybody is looking for. I truly believe that everybody is looking for Jesus, looking for God, but just don't know it or don't know how to articulate it. And so we try to find the, the thing that, that, that completes us, that thing that, that was promised to us, that thing of peace. We're searching for it in all sorts of things, hoping and wishing and wanting that it's going to meet the need, fill the gap. But what do we find? We find that it doesn't. It's almost like sand that runs through our fingers. We hope to get there, but we never do. It's like, it's like trying to find the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but the rainbow keeps moving as you draw closer to it. That's what I believe people are searching for. But I believe that when we find Jesus, we find everything we've ever wanted. Because the truth is, if we're trying to find fulfillment and meaning in another person that's not divine, we will be let down because no one can carry the weight of our hopes and our soul like the king. And so when we find this passage of Scripture and John is opening up his account of John the baptizer and declaring that Jesus is the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world, he's pointing people to Jesus. At that moment in history, people were searching for their Messiah. The nation of Israel was searching for the one who was promised throughout the Scriptures, throughout the ancient text, to bring peace and wholeness and restoration to the nation of Israel. The one who would bring them freedom from their oppressors. The one who would be a mighty military commander. The one who would set them free and there would be a great rule and reign of the king. They were looking for generations, but at this time... It's like you'll find a lot of people in during this time was named Joseph or Joshua, which means he delivers. They were looking for a deliverer because at this time, the nation of Israel were occupied by a foreign force, and many of you know it, as the Roman Empire. And they were enslaved and they had to pay taxes and it was all these things, but they were looking for something. In fact, all of the Old Testament is pointing to these very moments. In Genesis chapter 2 or 3, God already gave Adam and Eve a promise that there would be a future deliverer. Moses said to the nation of Israel, Watch out because a day is coming when the Lord will send another prophet like me among the people. To David, he said, I will make sure that you will always have a a descendant on the throne of Israel forever, proclaiming that the Messiah would come through his line, through his lineage. Even in, in, um, is it Abraham's life, a guy, he meets this man called Melchizedek, who is shown to be both priest and king, a type of Jesus shown in the scriptures. And so Jesus is both prophet, king, and priest. He has been looking forward, they've been looking forward to him this whole time. This side of Jesus is coming, we look back, but before Jesus came, they were looking, hoping, wanting, searching. When will this deliverer come? And many false Jesuses came in his time, trying to bring about rebellion, bring about freedom. But it was all squashed because only one person truly sets free, and that is the King of Heaven. And so they were pointing to this moment. Now, Jesus wasn't the kind of deliverer they were expecting, but he was the one that they were needing. 
And what we find is that John is saying to, to his disciples, the people that are following him, look, there is the one that I have been proclaiming and preaching and talking about, the very person I've been baptizing for. And they're all like, Vroom. and then his disciples start to peel away and to follow Jesus. And we find that, that John has this, an all-nighter with Jesus. Can you imagine how amazing that must have been? To spend all night with Jesus. Asking him all sorts of questions. Checking him out. Is he legit? Hey, Is he the guy who they say he is? Is he in fact the anointed one of God? And it says that the very first thing that Andrew does after spending all night with Jesus was to go find his brother, Simon. The very first thing. First, Jesus invites them in. He says, okay, come and see. Because they were like, is this, is this the one I need to follow? Well, come and see. That invitation exists for all of us before God. Is, God, are you real? And Jesus just says, come and see. Are you the fulfillment of all my hope. Come and see. Can you heal me? Come and see. Can you save my family? Come and see. Are you real? Are you moving? God, are you going to do something in my life? And Jesus is always, hey, Come and see. And Andrew has this encounter with God, with Jesus, with the Messiah. And the first thing he does is go find his brother. He goes and finds his brother, Simon, who was later named Peter. But he goes and finds him. And he says, Peter, we, Simon, we have found Messiah. Now you've got like back into context. Messiah everybody was looking for. But Peter, don't forget, was a fisherman, and so was his brother. He's like, that's cool, bro, but I've got some fish to catch. I've got to put some snook on the table. Amen. A bit of fig jam. Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't eat snook. I just remember the saying, like, you get hit with a pup snook. But the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and to tell him, we have found the Messiah. He was so convinced in the presence of Jesus that this is the one who the prophets have spoken about, who the hope of Israel rested upon, was finally here. He had no doubt. He was fully convinced. He had an encounter with God that he went to go say, Simon, we found him. We have found him. No more searching, no more hoping, no more crying out to God, no more suffering under the, oppre- the, the oppression, no, no longer waiting for the final, for that blessed day. It is here. He has come. Our hopes are fulfilled. AKA to the Christian in the room today. Your sins are forgiven. The day of salvation is here. Your king reigns and rules on a throne over the whole universe. All of your hopes fulfilled. 
You don't have to strive for perfection because Jesus has made you right with God. I mean, could we just finish there? Amen. And it says that he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. Hey, Peter, we we have found him. We found him. We found him. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see, Messiah. Come and see who I spent all night with. Come and see. And as soon as Peter meets Jesus, Peter is changed. You are no longer Simon, son of John, but you are Peter, which means the rock. He didn't even understand what Jesus was doing, but Jesus was changing his identity. He was a rock. He would become something way more than we could ever imagine. So the person who wrote one Peter actually had to first meet Jesus. And in that moment, he was changed and transformed. And the rest, as they say, is history. What's your story? What's your encounter? Did you wake up in the middle of the night and have an encounter with Jesus? Or did someone in your world say, come and see? I remember my story. It was a, a very different story. I, I, um, I got saved for the very first time. And like every teenager, that's multiple times. Amen. Because you need to get saved from the dumb stuff you did yesterday. Like you're hoping it's going to stick on you. Like, hey. But um, I got saved in a ministry that came to the school. And, you know, I, I thought they said, if you have a relationship with Jesus, stand. But what they said, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, stand. So I stood. And then I realized I was the only person standing other than one person in a whole group of other Teenagers, and that was incredibly daunting. If you thought rolling down a hill at high school was bad, stand up in front of the whole class and say you believe in Jesus. Because I had been watching the Matthew videos that my mom had at home, and I'm like, I thought I knew Jesus, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I never repented of my sin. And in that moment, I got called out of a class. Please, Jesus, can, I, can, can you take me home? I don't want to go back to these people. And uh, I'm just, maybe it was just the fact that the whole class was already saved. That's, maybe that's what was happening. And then as soon as I had a one-on-one encounter with this person who was telling me about Jesus, and I had this breakdown. I was like overwhelmed with God's love, wave after wave after wave. Now, I'm not a crier, but I bawled my eyes out because of the, the relief of the Holy Spirit entering into my life and changing me and transforming me. And then I did a whole bunch of dumb stuff. And uh, I never got connected to a church. I was just part of it. And these guys were trying to disciple me. And the reality is ministries outside the church are powerful. But unless you get connected into a local church, you cannot be discipled. You need to be discipled once you encounter Jesus. So you, so everything has its place. A couple of years later, I, uh, I um, playing cricket at this club in Mullington, and my coach was a follower of Jesus, and I was like a follower of Jesus too, because I had that, you know, don't look at me with that criticism, I know you, 
at me like that. And he's like, hey, man, like after practice one day. Now, bear in mind, I, I, I just sort of worshiped the ground this guy walked on. So he's like, hey, you've got to come to church. What are you doing on Sunday? Oh, no, no, I'll be there. I'll, I'll just check with my dad, but I'll be there. But I, don't, I can't get there because my, you know, my dad didn't go to church. So he's like, I'll come and fetch you. I'm like, flip, it's hard to say no to that. Hey, are you, what are you doing on Sunday? Oh, you must say, oh, no, I'm going to fetch you for church. What do I wear? Whatever you want, just wear clothes. And so I, I go and I have an encounter with God again. And I meet God. And I'm like, cool, like this, 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 this Jesus thing is going to stick on my life. Three months go by, I don't go back to church because I didn't know you had to go to church every Sunday. No, legit, like I didn't know it was like an every week kind of a deal. I'm like, surely just now and then, like, like you know when you get the car wash? When it's, the car is dirty enough, just take it to the car wash. When my life has been dirty, I just go to church and it'll all be so, like, that's legit how I thought. And then he's like, you're going to ever like come back to church? I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, I'll do that. And, and then I never left. And then like, listen, we need some snow. I was like, I never left. Got connected in church. Why? Because we need to be, it's a discipleship that happens. But saved, transformed, all because of one person speaking to one person to invite them to come and see if Jesus was real. And the rest, as they say, will be history. And I want us to get an idea of the power of one invitation. The power of one invitation from Andrew to his brother Simon, who was named Peter, transformed the early church. He was the one who stood up at Pentecost and told everyone that they're sinners and they need Jesus. And more than 3,000 people were baptized in one day. An early leader of the church wrote letters throughout the church. I wonder what the power of one invitation could be in your world. I know that it transformed my life because I would not be holding a microphone preaching Jesus if it was not for one person named Andre to speak to me about Jesus, to invite me to church. I was so blessed a couple of years ago. I lost contact with him. I actually had the opportunity to say, thank you for inviting me. My life has been transformed. Who here just decided, hey, I'm just going to come to church one day. No one said anything to me. Because I know that does happen. Yeah? Well, you guys are amazing. How many of you got an invitation to come to church? Who's not going to put their hand up because it's socially awkward? Okay, how about this? Let's all put our hands up. They still check like rebellious people. They're like... Bro, you can promise me hot chocolate from stage on tap. You can promise me sirloin steak. I will never raise my hand. Awesome. If you weren't invited ever to a church, would you just put your hand down? Was that complicated? Because there were more hands just now. But I think you get the point. What is the power of one invitation to change your history, your eternity, your family tree, to change the direction of your life, 
to help you to find the meaning and the purpose that you've always been looking for, but didn't know you needed until you found Jesus. So I want to challenge us today, because I'm going to close the message and the band can join me. Do you know that July is traditionally the lowest attended month in our calendar year? To whom? Because it's cold, it's school holidays, and it's nice to lie in bed. But how about this, that we declare that July will be the most attended month in the calendar of the church. Amen. This is my challenge to each person, even sitting right at the back on the balcony, that each one invites someone every one week for the next one month. Can we do a 30-day challenge? It's not an ice bucket challenge, but a challenge that every week I'm going to invite that person at the office who God keeps talking to me about to talk to them about Jesus. I'm going to invite that one. That the barista I keep seeing every week on my way to the meeting to grab my quick cup of coffee, I'm going to invite that one this one week. Every week for the same month. Now, maybe it'll happen where they come once and they don't come for three months, but that happened to me. And look where I am today. In love with Jesus, amen? You don't know what the power of one invitation of just saying, hey, come and see. But aren't you guys like the happy clappies and the weird and the Pentecostal vibes? Yeah, 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 but come and see. And then you just go, you need a bit of Pentecostalism in your life. You need a bit of happy clappy. Hey, life's got too serious. You need to wash some windows for the King of Kings. Amen. The power of one invitation. There's one day of one Sunday of the year that I hate the most. It's the first Sunday of July. So people just like, please, where are you going in the middle of winter? I've decided I'm taking the second of July off. Or the first week of July. And then my team were challenging me, they're like, where's your faith? My faith is in the king who gives me rest. Amen. But I'm going to join the challenge that every week I will invite one person for the next month. Maybe it's the same person. Maybe it's a different person. But every week for one divine connection to invite one person to come and see Jesus. Because he hasn't just called us to come and see Imagine Andrew just stayed in the seeing and never went to go from come and see to go and tell. Would Peter know Jesus? Would we know Jesus? If someone never went to go and tell us. And maybe there's someone in your life, a family member who you're like, ah, they need Jesus, but there's no way. They will step us the sole of their foot into a church building. Well, good news, this is not a church building. Even Saul, who persecuted the church, had an encounter with Jesus was transformed. Your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your father, your mother, your child, 
can meet Jesus and be forever changed. And I wonder what stops us in sharing the good news. I think it's tiredness and weariness. It's almost like being that fisherman on the, on the side and casting out his nets or casting out his rod, catching nothing all day. I mean, is there anything more boring to do in life? Okay, I'll take it back. There's golf. But you know what? Imagine fishing all day, catching nothing. How tired and... You know what? I'm just going to go home. There's nothing here. Until Jesus saw his disciples on the boats and said, why don't you throw the net on the other side? But we've been fishing all night. I've been trying to tell my friend about Jesus for the last 10 years. I've been praying for my dad for 20 years. I'm tired, I'm weary, and life has happened. And all I wanna do is go home, put on my comfy slippers, read my Bible and be with Jesus. When you die, you get to do that. I wonder if in fact we're weary, tired and broken and exhausted because we're not seeing fish come to the kingdom. Bible says those who refresh as others themselves will be refreshed. Today, I want to put a net in your hands in Jesus' name and say it's time to cast the net on the other side that we would believe for a great harvest in the name of Jesus. Friends, family members, community members coming to know Jesus all because you said one person, one week for one month, come and see. WhatsApp can be the evangelism tool that you needed. Hey, come with me next Sunday. And before they even have chance to reply, I'll pick you up at nine. Come and see. Would you stand to your feet with me, please, church? I'm done. Can I repent of something before you today? I need to say sorry to God and I need to say sorry to you. I've been in ministry now, leading a church for 10, 11, nine years, nine years, nine years. And I believe God for revival in our city. But you know that the weight of everyday life and the weight of disappointment, the weight of discouragement can weigh on your soul. And please forgive me but religious Christians can weigh on your soul. Like trying to wind people up to actually believe in God. I love being around new believers because they sin like crazy. But they're so hungry for God. And what I'm asking God, I need to repent of is I, I think I've lost a bit of hunger for souls to come into His kingdom. And when the church was 60 people, I invited people's pets. Hey, you got to come to church. And my heart has been stirred like I haven't, like it hasn't been stirred in years. To see a generation stand up and tell the city, come and see. And whatever God does, God is going to do. 
but that we get out of our comfort zone. We send out an invitation and we say to the world, we say to the city, we say to the devil that we are committed to seeing people introduced to Jesus. Because only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can heal. Only Jesus can redeem. And I need to repent and say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And so if you want to join me in that prayer, I'm going to be on my knees before God in the front here. And if you need to repent and you're asking God for fresh hunger, will you join me? I'm not going to pray for you. I'm asking God to help me so that we can find one every one week for the next one month because there's power in one transformed life. Ben, could we worship God and then we'll come back after that and do all the things we need to do. Father, I just commit ourselves to you. I ask you, God, that you would lead us, guide us, minister to us. I pray for a refreshing and an honesty in Jesus' name. Touch us today and give us fresh hunger. Come church, you can come forward if that's you.
with Jesus I want to include you in a prayer if you're not confident that you have a relationship with the loving God who's forgiven you of your sin I want to pray for you today we've been given the message of reconciliation with God of heaven that forgives us of our sins through Jesus Christ who loves us who died on a cross for our sins Make no mistake, you are a sinner. We can't change that, but Jesus can. And today, if you want to walk out in a relationship with God, reconciled and made whole, forgiven and set free, a home in heaven, an everlasting life, I want to pray for you. Just while, if nobody can move around right now, just with every eye closed and head bowed, I want to invite you to say, yes, Wayne, pray for me. Because in that moment, God will meet you. He will meet you with salvation. He will meet you with His Spirit and make you new on the inside and transform you and give you a new heart and new desire because you're new in a new life in Jesus. If that's you today, just stick your hand up real high on the count of three and I'm going to pray for you. One, two, three. Where you are right now, just raise your hand real high. Raise your hand real high. Praise God. Fantastic. Praise God here. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God over there on the sides. Yes, praise God. Wonderful. Wonderful team. If we could just get to them as quickly as possible. They want to put something in your hand just to help you. Where you are, just put them in. Thank you. Keep your hand raised till you get something. Every eye closed, head bowed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church, can we all pray together this, this morning? Let's all pray together. And if you put your hand up, this prayer is your prayer to God. And we're going to support you in that prayer. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. I'm so sorry for my sin. Forgive me, God. I turn to you. Save me. Come live in my heart and lead me. As a follower of Jesus, help me to follow you all the days of my life. I believe you are the Son of God who takes away my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, would you give God a great praise and clap offering? I want to ask everybody... Just, just stay like this and Phil, you can't come up so long. If you gave your heart to Jesus this morning, I'm so proud of you. Would you come to the front right now? Because we've got a prayer team who want to pray for you and help you to take that next step. So church, could you, could you just give them a round of applause to help bolster some courage? If someone brought you or you came with a friend, come with them, come to the front. Come to the front. Don't worry about the people looking. 
They're trying to meet Jesus. They're celebrating with you. We've got a prayer team. If you raised your hand, come to the front. Keep tapping. Don't stop. Don't stop. Just keep tapping. Our team are going to connect with you. Just keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. We're so proud of you. Well done. Well done.